Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick with the Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be doing a 12-team PPR mock draft from the ninth overall spot on Yahoo Fantasy Football. In today's video, we're going to be talking about my thought process throughout each of my picks, as well as talking about how I feel about the draft as a whole. But before we get on in to this mock draft, I'd like to ask if you are new to my YouTube channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, to please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below. Not only is it free, I put out content every single day to help you guys win your 2021 fantasy football championship and while you're down there whether you are new to my youtube channel or not please make sure that you hit that like button down below to help boost this video up the algorithm so that more beautiful people like yourself can see today's video i'd also like to let you guys know that my rankings are now available on awesomeo.com a cheat sheet for my rankings are coming very very soon i also post articles every single day about fantasy football on there you can check them out in the pinned comment or in the link in the description. So without further ado, let's get on into it. The draft begins with Christian McCaffrey, followed by Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. McCaffrey, Cook are basically the one-two punch in every single draft. And then after that, the door is really open. A lot of times you'll see Alvin Kamara, and the other times you basically see Derrick Henry. But I have seen drafts where Ezekiel Elliott goes at three, where prior to kind of the thought that maybe Saquon could miss some time. Or that maybe he wasn't going to get the full workload early on. Saquon was going at that spot. So it certainly is open. But to me, in a PPR draft, I would definitely be picking Alvin Kamara. After Kamara, we see Ezekiel Elliott followed by Derrick Henry and 9-inch Nicholas Chubb. Now, with Nick Chubb, I think I am kind of maybe not in the majority when I say that I don't really love Nick Chubb for fantasy football in 2021. Now, does that mean that I don't believe that he's a first round pick? No, I definitely believe that Nick Chubb is worth a first round pick, but this early on in the first round in a backfield that is going to heavily use Kareem Hunt, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why you would really want to be attacking that inside the first round when there are a lot of running backs here that are clear workhorses inside the first round. So we are up here and we're just going to go with Aaron Jones. I love Aaron Jones so much this season. I don't know why people are not on the Aaron Jones train. It appears that he falls to the end of the first round in basically every single draft. And I don't get it because I genuinely believe that this guy has top five potential in 2021. I say this because I don't really see a difference at all in this team from last year to this year. They have very similar offensive weapons, similar offensive line, the same quarterback who just won MVP last season. While Aaron Jones, his numbers aren't necessarily dependent on scoring touchdowns, but they're boosted by the fact that he's basically a lock to score nine to maybe even like 15 or 18 touchdowns on any given season because of how good the Green Bay Packers are. But there is no reason to even try to play point to a fact that there could be any regression in this offense. I really do believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to be outstanding yet again, so I am excited to have Aaron Jones on my team. Looking at the running back position, I'm not ultra in love with any of these guys, so we're just going to go ahead and go wide receiver at this pick and go with Stephon Diggs, wide receiver of the Buffalo Bills. Now, while I preach that going running back early on in your draft is a very good strategy because in the first two rounds, the odds that a running back busts is significantly lower when compared to the third and fourth round and then after the third and fourth round where it's still not as safe as the first two rounds but it's not 
as dicey later because after you get past the third and fourth round then the running back pool it starts to get shallow it starts starts to get very very dicey to the point where obviously you're gonna have to draft running backs in that range you have to draft running backs throughout the whole draft but early on these first two rounds these first four rounds are when picking the position is the safest which is why I argue to go running back so early but when we're at this point in the draft when Jonathan Taylor's already gone when Austin Eckler is already gone, when Najee Harris is already gone, when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is already gone, I'm not necessarily sitting here inside the second round thinking, you know what, I need to reach up and pick Antonio Gibson. While I like Antonio Gibson, that preseason game from either it was yesterday or two days ago, where we saw that, hey, Maybe they want to use more of a committee type of backfield where J.D. McKissick will be involved, where Peyton Barber will be involved. This is exactly what we saw last season. The thing is, we all thought that maybe Riverboat Ron, uh, head coach of the team, Ron Rivera, would maybe believe that, hey, Antonio Gibson is clearly the best talent here, and maybe we should give him a workhorse type of role, but that is just not going to be the case, it seems. So does that take Antonio Gibson out of being a second-round pick? No, but it definitely... Definitely takes him out of contention, in my opinion, to be picked where I took Stefan Diggs. Because again, while I like to go these running backs early, the value was very strong at the wide receiver position. I was able to get a wide receiver that I honestly could easily see being the wide receiver one in fantasy football on the Buffalo Bills, one of the best offenses in the NFL with a quarterback that loves to sling the rock down the field. Stefan Diggs, to me, was kind of a no-brainer pick, if I'm being honest with you, inside of the second round. After we went with Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins came off the board, followed by Calvin Ridley, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf to close out the second round. The third round begins with George Kittle and Darren Waller. Yesterday, we saw Trey Lance play some football. Man, oh man, was it beautiful. Man, did Trey Lance look good. Now again, do not overreact to just one preseason game. The reason why I brought up the Antonio Gibson thing is because that seems like a real scenario where we could see a real snap share between all these guys. Whereas Trey Lance throwing an 80-yard touchdown or something, maybe that's a little bit of an over statement maybe not like an I don't even know how to describe it it, using you know the Webster's dictionary but what I mean to say is don't overreact him throwing like some ADR touchdown he looks good but that doesn't mean that he is going to be the starter of this team because Jimmy Garoppolo is still there Jimmy Garoppolo Probably won't have the job all year, but I really wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter for at least maybe eight games on the year. So after Darren Waller came Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and Chris Carson, followed by David Montgomery. Now, David Montgomery did get banged up in that game, but so far I have seen no reports on the severity of the injury, so that is something to monitor. Is he going to miss some time? Honestly, I don't know. It didn't appear to be super serious, but it was something I saw a lot of people talking about on Twitter. Shout out to David Montgomery's quarterback, Justin Fields. Looked very, very good. Now, that is a scenario where you may want to overreact because, well, maybe not even call it an overreaction because he definitely is better than Andy Dalton, which we should have seen coming from a mile away. But 
yesterday definitely proved that so maybe we will actually see Justin Fields play earlier on in the season than I projected after Dave Montgomery we see Josh Jacobs followed by Keenan Allen and now we are back up on the board so the running backs are becoming very very dry at this point and then the third round I'm not really trying to pay that price for Darrell Henderson so we're gonna go ahead here and draft a wide receiver with tons of upside so we're gonna go with CeeDee Lamb wide receiver of the Dallas Cowboys now if you want to be a little bit safer which some people may want to be I actually have Robert Woods as well as Julio Jones ranked ahead of him but I feel as though the upside of a Julio Jones of a Robert Woods is top 12 top 10 wide receiver to me the upside of CD Lamb is a top five wide receiver in fantasy football on one of the most pass heavy offenses in the NFL with one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL now things could definitely go awry for CD Lamb for instance Amari Cooper sticks and just has a stranglehold over being the number one wide receiver in targets for the Dallas Cowboys if that happens then Lamb probably won't be able to finish as a top five wide receiver probably won't but does that mean that he's limited then if he's not the number one target no because even if he's getting the second highest amount of targets on the team he could still be really fucking good and be a top 12 wide receiver even a top 10 wide receiver because of how pass heavy this offense is in Dallas but if Again, if that is the case, it definitely does limit C.D. Lamb in some capacity. So after we went ahead and drafted C.D. Lamb, came Miles Sanders, Darrell Henderson, Mike Davis, DeAndre Swift, Amari Cooper, and Chris Godwin. We're at the point in the draft where people are just taking running backs willy-nilly left and right, and there's really no value here inside of the fourth round at the running back position. So I'm just going to go ahead and draft a wide receiver at this pick, and we're going to go ahead and get Robert Woods, wide receiver of the L.A. Rams. I believe that Robert Woods does have that top 12 potential with Sean McVay as the head coach, obviously, but the most important thing is not the fact that Sean McVay is there. Sean McVay has been there for Robert Woods' whole time period that he has been a wide receiver for the LA Rams, but the biggest change is at the quarterback position. The signal caller of the LA Rams, Matthew Stafford, is just such a step above what Jared Goff was. Now, I'm not on the standpoint that Jared Goff is some fucking garbage can of a quarterback, but he's... Nowhere near the level of a guy like Matthew Stafford. So I really like this team in 2021. And I believe this offense is going to be really, really impressive this season. Which really goes to reaffirm my positive thoughts I already had of Robert Woods. I probably would have drafted him inside of the fourth round if Jared Goff was the quarterback. But now my hopes are sent to the fucking moon, basically. Like, I have sky-high expectations for Robert Woods with Matthew Stafford. So after we went ahead and drafted Robert Woods, came Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Lamar Jackson, Miles Gaskin, DJ Moore, Ronald Jones, James Robinson, and Tyler Lockett. Miles Gaskin is going to be a hot topic in the streets pretty soon because a lot of people seem to be pointing towards a narrative of running back by committee because of how much usage we saw Malcolm Brown get in that preseason game. Now, the reason why I'm not overreacting to this and that I did bring up the Antonio Gibson part of it is because we saw that all year with Antonio Gibson, whereas last year we saw Miles Gaskin not really be a quote-unquote workhorse running back, but we did see him get a majority of the carries and be very successful at doing that. Will Malcolm Brown take away some opportunity from Miles Gaskin? 100% because Malcolm Brown is built like a fucking wrecking ball and the guy is going to steal. He is going to steal some touchdowns. But at the end of the day, is that going to make me shy away from drafting Miles Gaskin? 
No, it's not. I'm still fine drafting Miles Gaskin inside of the fourth or fifth round. So after Lockett came Travis Etienne, Julio Jones, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Kareem Hunt, and Chase Edmonds. So the running back position right now is about as dry as it gets because in the fifth round, I'm not going to go ahead and draft Damian Harris. So we're just going to continue to pivot away from that situation at running back, maybe go tight end here. And that is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to draft TJ Hawkinson, tight end of the Detroit Lions with the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff. Again, I kind of just talked about how I don't believe that Jared Goff is necessarily some type of garbage can quarterback that is going to derail the Detroit Lions franchise. Obviously, he's not Matthew Stafford, and obviously, he's not the quarterback that the Lions fans are going to want. Eventually, they are going to draft the replacement. Maybe that is at the end of this season in the 2022 NFL draft. But Goff is smart. He realizes that, hey, the best option on this team to throw the ball to is TJ Hawkinson. The wide receiver core there is basically decimated by the fact that Marvin Jones is gone and by the fact that Kenny Galladay is gone. So to me, TJ Hawkinson should be a target hog in 2021 in Detroit. So I am in love with getting TJ Hawkinson as the tight end number six off the board. Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts going ahead of him. I understand why some people may have Andrews, may have Kyle Pitts ranked ahead of him. But to me, I think TJ Hawkinson has the potential to see the most targets at the tight end position. Is that going to be hard to do? 100% because ahead of him, obviously, we have Travis Kelsey, one of the most targeted tight ends in the NFL probably will be. Behind him, Darren Waller, who's in a very similar scenario with TJ Hawkinson about how on the Raiders offense, Darren Waller is the clearly, is clearly by far and away the best fucking target on this team. And then the same thing is with TJ Hawkinson. So one of those guys should have the most targets. So don't be surprised if Hawkinson does it, but it definitely is an outside shot. But I still believe he's going to be very useful for fantasy this year and take that junior year leap in the NFL to greatness. After Hawkinson came Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and Brandon Ayuk. Very interesting to see Patrick Mahomes go and then Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson come off the board so closely to Patrick Mahomes. Typically, there's about a lull of a round and then you start seeing the other quarterbacks come off the board, but it does make sense. In fantasy drafts, one of the biggest positions where runs actually occur is the quarterback position because someone takes, say, Mahomes. Then the next guy's like, I need to go get my quarterback, whether that's Allen, whether that's Lamar, whether that's Kyler Murray. And and then they take them. And then the next person is saying that they're like, oh man, oh man, I want to get my quarterback. I want to get this guy. And then if I wait one more round, maybe they're not going to fall to me. So then they just overreact and take a quarterback. Am I fine taking a quarterback in the fourth or fifth round? I definitely am. But am I necessarily looking to do that going into the draft? No. So that's why at this point with the quarterbacks that are available, I still do not have one. So after we went ahead and drafted Hawkinson, came Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Brandon Ayuk, Adam Thielen, Damian Harris, and Deontay Johnson. So looking at the board here, the running back position is running dry, but the quarterbacks here I'm not super in love with. I do like those guys, but they're not really my targets in this round. Now, normally I don't draft Javante Williams, but inside the sixth round with what is available, we're going to have to go ahead and take him at this point. Now, I do believe Javante Williams to be slightly overrated, but here in the sixth round, I'm fine paying that price because of what else is available at the position. My stance on Javante Williams has not changed. He looked very good against the Minnesota Vikings in preseason yesterday. Drew Locke bent the defense over and inserted, inserted, <laughs> inserted his horse cock. That's why we call him horse cock Drew Locke because he dicked down that defense with aggression yesterday. Javante Williams looked very good, but 
Mind you, Melvin Gordon did not play. And if you were watching the game, Royce Freeman, very involved. You want to know why? It's because Vic Fangio, head coach of the Denver Broncos, doesn't just run the workhorse running back. He doesn't fuck with that. At least it doesn't appear that he has at all while he's been there as the Broncos head coach with Philip Lindsay and with Melvin Gordon. It was a two-headed backfield, so don't be surprised to everyone riding Javante Williams-Cock that he ends up being a bust. He ends up not being the best because of the fact that they use Melvin Gordon. Now, in the sixth round, I am fine doing it because the upside there is very high. But inside of the fourth round, the fifth round, it is a little bit crazy to be drafting him at that price. He is my running back too, but I do have a lot of confidence in Aaron Jones. So Javante Williams is able to get like 10 points every single game, potentially, then it will be worthy of that selection. I do like a couple running backs later on in the draft that I am excited to go ahead and draft. So I'm basically fine at this point with Aaron Jones and Javante Williams, but it could be a lot better, right? I could have gotten someone inside the fifth or sixth round that I believed was worth that draft price. But again, where these guys were going, the running backs were just flying off the board. This guy took four running backs inside of the first four rounds. A lot of people going for the three running back attack early on. So the running backs aren't the deepest, which is why, again, I argue to take running backs very early in the draft. But I said, but like 50 times in this sentence, but the argument against taking running back super early is if the value isn't there, the most important thing in fantasy football is to be drafting based upon value and the value was nowhere near there, in my opinion, for drafting a lot of these running backs where they went. So I'm fine with Aaron Jones, Stefan Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Robert Woods, TJ Hawkinson, and Javante Williams as my first six picks of the draft. So we're about 15-ish minutes into this video, about halfway through the mock draft. So if you guys have ended up enjoying thus far throughout this video, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below. Not only is it free, I put out content every single day to help you guys win your 2021 Fantasy Football Championship. So after we went ahead and drafted Javante Williams, we see T. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Robbie Anderson, Chase Claypool, Trey Sermon, Logan Thomas, Russell Wilson, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, David Johnson, Justin Herbert, the pervert, Tyler Higby, Aaron Jones, Cortland Sutton, and Melvin Gordon. I'm going to go ahead and move myself slightly more to the right so that you guys can see the picks. I know I'm kind of hanging halfway in, halfway off the screen, but I think you can see my whole face. And, you know, obviously everyone here, they're just here to see my face, not obviously here to listen about fantasy football. So after Tyler Higby, we see Aaron Rodgers, followed by Cortland Sutton and Melvin Gordon, followed by Robert Tunyon. So now we are back up on the board here, looking at the running back position. I understand that this may be construed as a reach, but at this point, I believe his ADP is going to continue to climb. I believe that Michael Carter to start the season is not going to be the starting running back unless maybe an injury occurs ahead of him or unless he pulls clearly away from Tevin Coleman and the other guys on this team. But my belief is that he is by far anyway the best running back on this roster because Tevin Coleman, while he's just all right, he's just okay. He is not he doesn't have anywhere near the potential, in my opinion, that a guy like Michael Carter has. I understand that Michael Carter didn't have a super high draft capital in the 2021 NFL draft, and draft capital is very important in driving a player to get onto the field, but from all accounts out of training camp is that Michael Carter is one of the best players in Jets training camp and that he is by far and away the best running back at Jets training camp. So my belief is that maybe Michael Carter won't start out the season as the number one back, but eventually he will 
fight down, beat down those other motherfuckers ahead of him, and become the lead back in New York for the Jets. After we went ahead and drafted Michael Carter, we can see that Raheem Mostert came off the board, followed by Dallas Godert, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Noah Fant, and the Los Angeles Rams defense. So looking at quarterbacks, it's very surprising where Tom Brady goes in a lot of these mock drafts, especially on Yahoo, as one of the higher quarterback picks off the board. Now, does that mean that I think Tom Brady is going to have some type of fucking career fall off and is going to suck ass this season? No, I actually think Tom Brady is probably immortal and he's never going to fall off and he'll be a top 12, top 13, top 14 quarterback in 2021. But I am not, you know, sitting here and going to tell you that I like Tom Brady more than I like Tannehill, more than I like Stafford, more than I like Burrow. They're all kind of in a similar range. So right here where we are sitting, I don't really want to draft a quarterback. Looking at the positions drafted grid, which is very sick that Yahoo has this one, two, three teams do not have a quarterback. So we're fine here, at least in my opinion, to go ahead and and wait, and the value here for Kenny Galladay is just far too strong. While there is definitely injury news about Kenny Galladay, or not really injury news, right? The news has been circling for a while at this point for the last couple of weeks that Kenny Galladay is hurt. So obviously, there is injury risk is what I meant to say at this point with Kenny Galladay. But you also have to understand that with the risk, there is a very high reward here with Kenny Galladay in the eighth round. Daniel Jones does not look good. In my opinion, Daniel Jones is not a very good quarterback, but Daniel Jones will look like a much better quarterback, a superior quarterback with Daniel Jones, with not with Daniel Jones there, with Kenny Galladay there as the wide receiver with Kenny Galladay there because there's a reason why they gave Kenny Galladay all this fucking money. They basically, it's like Kenny Galladay was a stripper. Instead of throwing ones, they're throwing $100,000 bills. I know those don't exist. Just at them all night long. Kenny Galladay got all that fucking money for a reason because they want a true alpha wide receiver in New York for the Giants. They want Daniel Jones to have a safety blanket. They don't want any more excuses from the fans, from the management about Daniel Jones. They don't want to hear any of this shit. They want to see the guy prove it. And while I don't think Daniel Jones is some superior quarterback, while I think there is probably a pretty solid chance that Daniel Jones is not the franchise quarterback for the Giants and that they draft a new guy maybe even next year. But Daniel Jones is smart enough to realize that he needs to feed Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is the most just the, not the most best, but just the fucking best guy on this Giants team by far and away. They need to give him the football, and I believe that Daniel Jones will, and Kenny Galladay could have a great year. And going inside of the eighth round is just fucking crazy at this point, because the other wide receivers going around in this range have so much more uncertainty with them than, in my opinion, Kenny Galladay has. Obviously, the injury sucks, but he should be good by next week at this point, but then if more news keeps saying that, oh, maybe Kenny Galladay is not going to be ready for the start of the season. Then, you know what happens? I backtrack this statement completely and run directly away from Kenny Galladay. So after Kenny Galladay came the Washington football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, Jalen Hurts, Jerry Judy, 49ers, Odell Beckham Jr., Baltimore Ravens, Matthew Stafford, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Justin Tucker the fucker followed by Debo Samuel. 
after Debo came Harrison Bucker and the Denver defense. Now, the thing that sucks about the Denver defense is because I really like them to be my defense to draft in these drafts inside of the last two rounds because the way I draft defense is to stream the position. I draft the defense based upon their week one matchup, and then after that, it's kind of just throw them out of there. Then week two, you find a new defense to play. You just want to be drafting the defense that is playing a not-so-hot offense in the first week and then stream them every single week. Meaning that, hey, maybe they have a hard opponent week two, so you cut them, and then week two, you roll out a different defense because you want to be streaming based upon upside. You want to be chasing uh, just obviously the most defensive points. I like Denver because of their schedule, but they always seem to be getting drafted much higher than the price I want to be paying. So looking at the running back position at this point, I want to go ahead and select running back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Leonard Fournette. Now, I, if I'm being honest with you, am all aboard the Ronald Jones train at this point in the offseason. I believe that Ronald Jones is the better running back, but my beliefs don't fucking matter at all because last season we saw Leonard Fournette put a damper in the upside that Ronald Jones has and we saw Bruce Arians basically do a full 360 every single or basically 180 I guess I should say every single week because the guy would ball out right you'd see Rojo take the defense put them in a fucking blender and spit them out but then the very next week after we saw that happen then you know Leonard Fournette would be the guy right? Ronald Jones just butt fucks him the next week. Leonard Fournette's the guy. And then after the game, they're like, man, that was Leonard Fournette. That's what Bruce Aaron says. He says, oh, Leonard Fournette played so good. It's going to be Leonard Fournette next week. And then you know what happens? Leonard Fournette fucking wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, looks at Bruce Arians a little wrong in the morning, and then Bruce Arians says, you know what? Fuck you, pal. I'm going to play Ronald Jones more. And it's just so confusing every single week. But if there was an injury, now again, we're not rooting for injuries, but if there was an injury, one of these guys, the one that is not hurt, has the potential to be a top 10 running back week in and week out. And inside of the ninth, 10th round, that's what you're looking for. And I'm definitely willing to pay the price. So, after we went ahead and drafted Leonard Fournette, we saw a bunch of defenses of kickers as well as A.J. Dillon. So, here we're going to keep hammering onto the running back position because we already have all these safe wide receivers. I want to go ahead and search for upside at the running back position. So, we're going to go ahead and draft Zach Moss here, running back of the Buffalo Bills. Now, it seems like basically everyone right now is dealing with injuries because if you look at the screen, every time I click on someone, basically, they have the little injury mark up here or that they're questionable or something. He is missing some time with a hamstring injury he's going to be fine but again if more news pops up that hey Zach Moss seems like he's not going to be good to go for week number one then maybe you pivot off of him but I really believe that Zach Moss is by far and away the better running back in this backfield Devin Singletary fucking sucks this guy is a terrible NFL running back and he is just bad. Like I said, I don't know how to describe how bad he is, but he is nowhere near the level of Zach Moss. The worst part about Zach Moss, the downside of Zach Moss, is the fact that he is technically someone that you could call injury prone. Now, again, I don't want to go ahead and stand here and tell you that some certain player is injury prone or not because I am not a doctor. I did not go to school to be a doctor. I just went to school to be a fantasy football analyst. Did I actually do that? No, because I don't think there's school to do that. But I went to school, study fucking history, and I'm here talking about fantasy football. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not. But what I will tell you is that there is a long history of Zach Moss getting injured. But even with that risk, 
He is so much better than this bum-ass running back, Devin Singletary, that I believe that you just have to draft Zach Moss. So I'm going to go ahead and do it here. I'm going to do it in a lot of these drafts. It's going to be something that is a staple in my videos. You've probably seen me draft Zach Moss 7 million times at this point, but it's because he is by far and away one of the safest running backs back here, and he... Even with the safety, he still has a whole lot of upside. I like Jamal Williams as well with the news that DeAndre Swift is a little bit banged up and the fact that even if he wasn't banged up, I already like Jamal Williams because of how Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, is talking about this backfield. It's a one-two punch. It's kind of like the Tampa Bay scenario, but in Detroit with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift is some type of bad running back that's going to lose a million touches to Jamal Williams. No, but again, it doesn't matter what the fuck we think. I think DeAndre Swift is an elite kind of player in that. Maybe not elite, but a top running back in the NFL skill set wise. But it doesn't matter what the fuck I think. It matters what Dan Campbell thinks, what this team thinks. And if they think that Jamal Williams is going to be useful to this team, then they are going to use him. A lot of fantasy football is us projecting what we think that these teams are going to be doing, which is an important exercise to do. But when the coach tells you what they're going to do, and you're like, man, DeAndre Swift is this elite running back. He is going to be able to change Dan Campbell's mind. That's probably not what's going to happen. We're probably going to be seeing Jamal Williams a lot this season. So don't be surprised if that is the case. That's why he's one of my late round running back targets. After Zach Moss, we see Gus Edwards, James Conner, Will Lutz, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Cooks, DJ Chark, Antonio Gibson, Big Ben Roethlisberger, Kenyon Drake, Will Fuller V, Devontae Smith, and Jamal Williams. So James Conner does have the COVID right now. Is that something to necessarily panic about? At this point, I would say no. So don't worry too much about James Conner. Obviously, it is worrisome when a guy gets COVID. I hope he is okay. But at this point, it seems like when these guys get COVID in the NFL, they'll be fine like a week or two from now. I'm not too sure exactly what the period is for incubation at this point with how long you have to wait, but I think he will be fine. So we are back up on the board here. The running backs are basically as dry as it gets, and we don't have a quarterback, so we're going to have to go ahead and take one here. So we're going to go with Joe Burrow. That's who I wanted. That's who the computer picked for me. So shout out to the computer for saving my ass right there. We needed Joe Burrow on this team. Now, looking at the draft results, this is why you kind of don't want to wait a super long time at drafting quarterbacks in leagues where people are going to draft two quarterbacks or maybe even three quarterbacks. Now, I like Joe Burrow a lot, so I'm excited to have him on my team while he didn't play in preseason yesterday because he's hurt. Not because he's going to like die or something, but because the coaches would have to be fucking idiots to roll out Joe Burrow, who tore his ACL, MCL, PCL last season. Before that nine-month and a certain amount of day period, there's a nine-month and certain amount of day period before you are good to go, cleared to have this full contact, which is like just a couple of days before kickoff. So if they rolled Joe Burrow out there last night, then they'd probably have to fucking fire the whole everyone needs to be fired because they should not do that. So don't expect Joe Burrow to play in preseason, maybe the final week, but I doubt he even plays at all. And he'll be fine. Good to go week one. Should you expect 100% of Joe Burrow week one? 
Probably not. That would be a little bit crazy, but he should be fine enough to be a guy that I want to be drafting. But the reason why you got to look at the board is because this asshole has three quarterbacks, so you don't want to be caught lacking, not drafting your quarterback before someone ends up taking seven other quarterbacks. So looking at the board right now, we're just going to continue to build this running back depth because I do still like Naheem Hines a lot for the Indianapolis Colts, while Jonathan Taylor is clearly the lead back on this team. And Marlon Mack will be used on this team now. Is he going to be used very heavily? I don't think so. I think he's going to be used more to spell Jonathan Taylor, meaning like when Jonathan Taylor is, you know, tired or maybe they don't want to give Jonathan Taylor 7,000 touches in the game. Marlon Mack comes in there and he rushes the ball, but Naheem Hines is going to be out there in a lot of these third down scenarios to catch the football. Now, do I think that Naheem Hines should be out there? Realistically, no. You could use Jonathan Taylor as a three down workhorse NFL running back because he has very solid hands, but that's not what the team wants to do. It makes sense right? In fantasy football, it's very hard to find a true workhorse because there are very far in between in the NFL. The Latavia, not the Latavius Murrays, geez, that's the backup to Alvin Kamara, who still gets uses, but like the Alvin Kamara, the Christian McCaffrey, the Saquon Barkley, maybe not even Alvin Kamara because he doesn't really get as many touches, but the Saquon Barkley, the Christian McCaffrey, that kind of a running back is so, the Aaron Jones is so far and few between at this point, maybe you don't even consider Aaron Jones a workhorse running back. Maybe you only, maybe there's really only two. Maybe Christian McCaffrey and yeah, maybe Derrick Henry as well. So maybe Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and the other name that I named, who I completely forgot, Saquon Barkley. Maybe there's only three real workhorse running backs, depending on how you kind of construe the term workhorse, because a lot of people say workhorse, and it doesn't necessarily mean the exact same thing. Now, to me, Austin Eckler is in a committee. That was very, very clear. I get a lot of questions about this. Nick, what do you think about Austin Eckler now that he is in a committee? He's always been a committee. It's it's always has been a committee in LA. He's not going to go out there and get workhorse NFL touches, but he's a workhorse fantasy running back, in my opinion, because of the amount of receptions he's going to get. He is so involved in the offense that that's what makes him a workhorse to me, not that he's rushing the ball 20-plus times a game. So the definition of workhorse is very construed by who you are asking, and in my opinion, the term workhorse doesn't even necessarily mean that they're going to be great in fantasy football because... I don't know. I don't know. I think the term workhorse is severely overused. Even I use it a lot in these videos, so maybe I'm part of the problem. Leave down below your definition of what a workhorse running back is because I'm very interested to know what you guys think that is or what it means, I guess. Because I can guarantee you if you made it this far through my fucking rambling monologues inside of my head that your opinion on what a workhorse running back probably is different to mine. And that is not a bad thing. I'm being honest with you. It's not a bad thing because it seems like everyone has different opinions. It's the same thing with the word sleeper. Because some people say, hey, a sleeper running back, that could be a guy going in the fifth round because people are sleeping on them. Whereas... To me, a sleeper normally means they're going later on in the draft, and that means people are sleeping on them. So that's also a word that is definitely a hot buzzword in fantasy football that, to me, doesn't even really have a clear definition. So we're back up on the board here. We have so many running backs at this point on our team because we obviously waited a while to draft running backs. So we're going to go ahead here with our final pick and draft a wide receiver in Darnell. Here comes the Mooney. Mooney, 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 Mooney. Darnell fucking Mooney. My guy. I love Darnell Mooney this year because, man, 
Justin Fields looked good yesterday. Darnell Mooney is one of those wide receivers that is basically always open. Last year, this motherfucker was literally running so much faster than the DBs, making them look like a bunch of silly motherfuckers out there. And then, you know, Nine Inch Nick Foles, Big Dick Nick Foles, or Kissing Titties Mitchell Trubisky just launches the ball. I'm talking like a piss missile, 50 yards over him, or launches the ball out of bounds, nowhere near him, or way in front of him. It was like Darnell Mooney was playing with a bunch of fucking idiots, and he was, but now... Even with Andy Dalton under center, I believe that Darnell Mooney is just so much safer this year. He would have had an excellent year last year with the amount of targets that he was getting had, you know, the quarterback play been anything but god-awful there in Chicago. So I have a lot of high hopes for Mr. Darnell Mooney in 2021. Now, we're going to do something in this draft that I haven't done in a while. We're not drafting a kicker, and we're not drafting a defense, because I believe that if you are drafting right now, it's August 15th as I'm recording this, August 15th as you are watching this. If you're drafting during preseason, during these times, you should be not drafting a kicker or defense if it allows you to, because you can go ahead and build more depth on your team, and then you can just kick off whatever players you need, cut them, and then go ahead and draft new players, or not draft new players, just pick up new players onto your team. So we drafted Rashad Bateman, who is likely going to be missing probably a decent amount of time in September. But most leagues have an IR spot. So what you're going to do here is right after the draft, take Bateman, Throw him in the IR spot if he's eligible. I don't think he's eligible just yet, but it appears that he probably will be because he's going to miss a couple of weeks of the season. And then what you do is right after the draft, if he's in your IR spot, if he's eligible to, I don't think he is just yet, but he may be soon. And then you just pick up that kicker, pick up that defense. I think that doing this exercise is very important, but on some websites like shitty-ass ESPN, I, like, I think if you've watched my videos for a while, you know that I just hate the ESPN draft client. ESPN sucks, in my opinion. Like, like, what the fuck? You're like a million, a jillion, gazillion dollar corporation and your fantasy thing sucks. But yeah, you can't do that on ESPN. So I guess this is really only a tip for Yahoo. Or if you're commissioner or you're the commissioner, make sure you change it so you don't have to draft a kicker or a defense. I think you can change that, but I know in the mocks you cannot do that. I like Rashad Bateman's upside a lot to potentially be the wide receiver in Baltimore, but that position may be skewed now by the fact that he's hurt and he's going to be missing some time. Obviously, he's going to be missing training camp, the rest of training camp, missing all of preseason, and missing maybe the first couple of games. Most realistic that he begins the season on the injured reserve, then suits up for week one. I don't know why I can't fucking read right now. But what that's saying is that He's probably not going to be there for week one. I watched a couple videos talking about his injury. It seems like he may not be okay for the whole first month of the season. So understand that risk when you are drafting him. But I believe he will be a guy that is going to be IR eligible in the next couple of days once they place him on there. And then you're going to be feeling pretty nice with him on your IR with him jumping up into your team a couple of weeks on into the season. So after we went ahead and drafted Mr. Rashad Bateman, we can see that... Daniel Jones came off the board, followed by Gerald Everett, Tua Tungvaluwa, Philip Lindsay, Derek Carr, Indianapolis Colts defense, James White. James White. <laughs> Why the fuck does my voice crack like once a video? What is wrong with me? I'm not going through puberty. I'm 22 years old at this point. Come on, man. 
that was so funny my voice cracked so early on in last video and it was literally hilarious and someone fucking time stamped it which i thought was even funnier so shout out to you the person who time stamped it you're the goat thank you guys for watching though thus far throughout this video i've been having a great time recording these videos the mock drafts to me are the most fun videos to record because i can just go off on tangents i can talk about anything and i think that it's useful in this video it's like a free form hour-long podcast it's not really an hour these are normally like 35 40 45 minutes but to me it's just like a free form time to talk i feel like i can give you guys as good of advice as possible while also talking about other things in fantasy football that don't necessarily relate to my draft but relate to fantasy as a whole tua tungavailoa looked so good yesterday and then fucked up right at the end right when they get towards the end zone they're on like the 20 yard line he throws a pick stupid decision but my argument against that is that, hey, at least he took a shot, right? Last year, he probably would have been a pussy, and he really was playing like a pussy last year. And he's my favorite quarterback because he's the quarterback of my Miami Dolphins. He was playing like he was scared, and I understand it. And he would have just checked the ball down or would have just sacked himself Eli Manning style or something. But he took the shot, so I respect it. It was a stupid throw, though, but at least he didn't just fucking do nothing like he probably would have last season. So at least that is positive. So here we're going to go ahead and close the draft with another running back. And we're going to go ahead here and draft whoever the fuck it just auto-picked for us, which was the Minnesota Vikings. I apologize, guys, that I just missed the buzzer beater. I'm not Stephen Curry or something. I guess I just can't perform under that pressure. So we probably would have went with Tevin Coleman there, I guess, and technically handcuffed Michael Carter. But really, you're handcuffing Tevin Coleman with Michael Carter at this point in the season. But I'm fine with getting the defense. Again, you could just cut them out of the draft and add a running back or a wide receiver. So this was a very, very nice time recording today's video. So I hope you guys did end up enjoying. So we're going to go ahead and pull up our team right now to recap it and then we're gonna go ahead and skedaddle our way out of here so our starting quarterback is joe burrow our wide receivers are stefan diggs and cd lamb our running backs are aaron jones and javante williams our tight end is tj hawkinson and our flex is robert woods our bench is comprised of michael carter kenny galladay leonard fournette zach moss naheem hines darnell mooney and rashad bateman so this is what your team looks like here let me move myself onto the right actually because you can't fully see the team this is what it looks like when you wait a lot longer on running back do i hate this team no again i'm typically about drafting that running back early but the value was not there so i think we got what was the best of this draft and i think we had a very very strong draft because we also got tj hawkinson who to me really does have top three upside at tight end and when you have that tight end that is safe every single week getting those points that positional advantage is very very important with a position that is low scoring and very very volatile when you have one of those tight ends that is going to be high scoring and not volatile so thank you guys all so much for watching if you did end up enjoying today's video please make sure that you hit that subscribe button down below i love each and every single one of you so i hope you have a great rest of your guys day make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you did enjoy make sure that you stay safe as always Kaboy!